Hey everyone, it's Craig Valentine calling from TurbulenceTraining.com and TTFatLoss.com here with another great, great uh, seven-day fat burning coaching guide where we're actually going to go over the common characteristics of a weight loss success story. This comes from a new research study that I found. And in fact, we're going to cover a lot of research studies this week because it just happened to really fit what we are going to be talking about. Now, I had a very interesting weekend in California and a very interesting meeting with somebody that I never expected I would ever have. And this was with a young woman named Emily Johnson, who was our first ever winner of our first Turbulence Training Transformation Contest. And so I was at the seminar down in Orange County, California, and I was actually at the mall having lunch and this young woman walked up to me with a couple other trainers. So I knew they were at the seminar, and she asked me if I recognized her. And I said no, because I, I didn't, thinking that it was a trainer, that she was someone I had met at a past trainer certification program or ser- uh, trainer seminar. And But in the back of my mind, uh, you know, she did look kind of familiar. I just never put the put it together that she would have – gone on from her transformation win to become a trainer, and now that's what she's doing. So it's very cool to meet her, and you can check out her success story at transformationcontest.com forward slash Emily. And uh, now she's a boot camp trainer up in Oregon somewhere. Very cool. And so I talked to her a couple times, and I pointed her out during my presentation. And what I was doing down there was I was uh, – talking a lot about my new Turbulence Training Certification that is going to be available this week. So TurbulenceTrainingCertification.com, there's a free video there of me explaining our one million mission about helping a million people transform their bodies and their lives. And we're going to open up to that to the first 50 trainers, and we're going to call that the Founders Club, for the first 50 trainers who get started with the Turbulence Training Transformation Certification this week, and it is only for currently certified trainers. It's not where you go to get your first certification. I apologize, but we're very exclusive about this particular certification. All right, so let's get into this week's fat burning coaching guide. And again, we're going to talk about the common characteristics of success stories. But first, I want to start with our transformation tip of the week for March 28th. And it's something that I wrote on Facebook. I came up with after reading a whole bunch of stuff that got a lot of likes on my Facebook page at CraigBallantineFanPage.com. And so I said this, if you want something in life that you aren't getting now, you have two choices. You can change your ways to behaviors that will move you towards that goal, or you can accept that nothing is going to change because you refuse to change. So you either change and get results or you don't change and you don't get results. It's that simple. All right, now into our training tip. We're going to talk about deadlift training, and we're going to talk about um, the amazing aerobic capacity of the human, the human species of, of one particular human. That's going to be our training tip later on in the call, or training information. We're actually going to talk about some interval training as well. But for our first training tip about the deadlift, it comes from a question I had on my membership site, and people were asking me about something called an alternate grip. An alternate grip when you deadlift is where you have one hand with an overhand grip and one hand with an underhand grip. And when you do a deadlift with an overhand and underhand grip, it prevents the bar from slipping through your fingers. So if you had both hands in an overhand grip, then they 
the bar would eventually slip through your fingers if you're using a heavy weight, and that's where a lot of people have problems with their, their grip strength. And so the alternate grip, where one hand is over and one hand is under, and usually it's a stronger hand that is an underhand grip, that's very common for people who are using or who are lifting a lot of weight in a deadlift. Now, the thing is, I don't, I no longer use that alternate grip because when you use that alternate grip, you end up with a little bit of twisting in your spine as you lift the weight off the ground. And because I've been doing deadlifts for such a long time, I believe that contributed to a bit of a lower back problem I had starting in 2009 that I fixed with my extensive warm-ups and extra planks and all that type of great stuff. But I do believe that if you deadlift and you deadlift heavy and you use the alternate grip all the time, you may end up with low back pain because of the change in your biomechanics when you're lifting. So it's something to be very cognizant of and something to consider changing. So what can you do instead? Well, you can use straps with heavy lifting. That's okay. And you may also consider something called a hook grip, which is what I use now. It's actually quite painful, but it's where you hook your thumb underneath between the bar and your fingers. And so when you're lifting a heavy weight, it really does kind of pinch the end of your thumb. And so a couple hours after you've done heavy deadlifting, your thumbs will still be numb, but that allows you to do both overhand grip, and it reduces the twisting of the spine as you deadlift. And I know that many competitive deadlifters use this at upwards of 800 pounds in their deadlift. And I believe that it works about as 95% as well as an alternate grip. So something to consider there. That's an advanced tip. But if you're deadlifting and you want to know what I do, that's what I do. And even when you do overhand deadlifting, your grip strength will rapidly improve and you'll get stronger in being able to hold weight in all your exercises. All right, that's it for training tip. Let's move into our research review. And this is where we're going to talk about a study called the exploration of the, or sorry, an exploration of the experiences and perceptions of people who have maintained weight loss. And this is from the Journal of Human Nutrition and Dietetics. So they want to take a look at people who had lost 10% of their weight and had kept that off for one year. Now they only had 10 people, but the 10 people who had been able to keep their 10% weight loss said at least six important things here that they believed contributed to their results. So they actually believed that they took a more relaxed approach to weight management with realistic long-term goals, and that was more appropriate for long-term control. So if they had a longer vision, then they weren't doing things looking for that short, fast weight loss and that tended to help them stick to their habits over time. Second, they had a strong medical reason to lose weight. So they maybe went to a doctor, and the doctor said that if you don't change, then you're going to have health problems. And so that really seemed to trigger them on the weight loss process. And they also, the third thing was they also got support from others to help them. Most people recognize the presence of people who wanted to sabotage their weight loss. So it's very important that you not only recognize the people who are going to be there to help you, 
but you also identify people who are sabotaging your weight loss, whether for whether they're consciously or unconsciously, but you need to identify those people. The fourth, maybe fifth thing, depending on how many you're counted so far, is that participants took personal responsibility for their weight management and were in tune with their nutrition and activity needs. So that really ties into the next one, which is self-monitoring was a strategy commonly used to support that. So the more you record your food and your training, the more you're going to learn about yourself and what's appropriate for your fat loss, and that is really important. And then finally, they described the lack of positive reinforcement in the maintenance phase as a major difficulty. So what these people should have been doing is recognizing that they weren't getting a lot of support and therefore building up their social network and their social support, joining Facebook pages, joining membership sites, hanging out with people at the gym, so that they increase the reinforcement during that long one-year maintenance phase in order to keep that weight off. So very important tips for you to consider. So conclusions, the most important ones were that there was an importance of a medical prompt to lose weight, there was a planning of how to manage the sabotagers, and there was identifying the methods of positive reinforcement and of what worked. So it simply reinforces the importance of many of the strategies known to support the weight loss phase that we've talked about many times here on turbulence training. All right, let's move into Wednesday. We're going to talk about some workout stuff. And our first study is an amazing study. If you're a science geek like me or or even if you're um, into cardiovascular training, you're really going to be impressed by this study. And uh, it's not a typical study where they had a whole bunch of subjects do two different conditions. All this was was an observation of the upper limit of aerobic power in humans. And just to set the uh, expectations here, we're going to talk about something called VO2 max, which is your maximum aerobic power. And that means how much oxygen you can consume during exercise. And this is a measurement they give. And they give it as a relative term in milliliters per minute per kilogram of body weight. So how many milliliters of oxygen can you use per minute per kilogram? And that is a standard way of looking at your aerobic power. So for a person of my age, about 35-year-old man, I'd be pretty happy if I had a VO2 max, which means the maximum amount that I could reach of 50 milliliters of oxygen per kilogram or per minute per kilogram. So 50 would be my top end. And so what they did in this was they looked at a 22-year-old cross-country gold medal skier in the Olympics. He's only 22 years old, so he's in the prime of his life, and he did a roller ski exercise workout on an uphill track. And they found that his VO2 max, now remember mine, I don't know, these days is probably be 50, maybe even less. His was 90.6 milliliters per minute per kilogram. So if you're an endurance athlete, you know what a good score is. And here's a guy coming along with a 90.6. Professional hockey players, they're 65 milliliters per minute per kilogram. This guy was a 90, so he had an unbelievable aerobic capacity. And even more impressive, the researchers said, was that he was able to exercise at 65 milliliters 
per minute per kilogram. So at a higher level than most people's maximum, he was able to exercise at that point for a very long period of time. So this guy was just a genetic freak and a well-trained genetic freak. It was unbelievable. And uh, just it's almost like talking about someone running the ten, the 100 meters in 9.5 or something like that. This guy's stats are just un, unbelievable. All right. Now, our second research-slash-training bit of information I'm going to share is another uh, sprint training study. So this one comes from the journal Medicine, Science, and Sports and Exercise, and they looked at what happened to 18 elite soccer players for two weeks at the end of their season. So at the end of their season, one group did absolutely nothing. Sorry, there was three groups. One group was high-intensity training where they did aerobic training. Pardon me. There was only two groups. Training group. The training group had seven people in it. They did ten training sessions where they did eight two-minute aerobic intervals, and they did speed training of ten 30-second sprints. And I'm not exactly sure how they had that structured, but it was over two weeks, I believe. So a lot of training. And then there was another group that just stopped training, and this was at the end of a season. So the stop training group would have detrained while the other group would have kept their fitness levels. And so what they found was even at the end of the season when these guys should have been in peak shape, the two weeks of high-intensity training resulted in improvement in repeated sprint performance and improved running economy, whereas the training cessation group, the, the detraining group, had a massive decrease in their um, enzymes, in their metabolic enzymes in their muscles for performance, and they reduced their sprint performance, and they reduced their aerobic capacity, and pretty much everything was reduced within two weeks. So if you are a fit person and you stop training for two weeks, you're going to have significant decreases. On the other hand, if you have two weeks somehow in your season where you have two weeks off, maybe it's a break or a holiday or something, you can make some dramatic improvements in your performance with a lot of training. So the conclusion was intensified training of already well-trained athletes can improve mechanical efficiency and repeated sprint performance. All right, some technical stuff there. Now we're going to move into Trainer Thursday. And here's a great quote from Keckett's Credo number 58. It says, you are responsible for exactly who, what, and where you are in life. This will be just as true this time next year. Situations aren't important. How you react to them is. And I want to make a little mention here of the Turbulence Training Certification. It's going to be available next week to the first 50 trainers in our Founders Club. Our Founders Club, because you're the first 50 trainers to take advantage of the certification, you're always going to be on my radar. I'm always going to be so appreciative of the first 50 people who who got on board with the mission of helping a million people. And so there's going to be a lot of extra benefits to that Founders Club as long as you remain uh, certified with Turbulence Training. So I'm really looking forward to helping a lot of people, helping you help a lot of people. And by doing that, everyone's going to be helping me help a lot of people. So it's fantastic. And so go to TurbulenceTrainingCertification.com to discover the mission that we have for the next 10 years. All right, now into Facebook Friday. we got a couple of questions today. 
during a Facebook session that I want to share with you. And the first one is a, is a bit funny to me because a lot of people will come on these Facebook Q&A sessions and ask me for a good fat loss program. What fat loss program do I recommend? And it's kind of funny because my entire website and Facebook page is set up around turbulence training, which I believe is the best fat loss program. So whenever people ask me about the best way to lose belly fat, I simply tell them that to use turbulence training. There's lots of workouts out there on YouTube or on the website as well or in the membership site, and combine that with either Isabel de los Rios' Diet Solution Program or Brad Pilon's Eat, Stop, Eat Program. And I also recommend that you go and check out the Transformation Success Stories at transformationcontest.com and look through whatever gender you are to see if you can find someone who fits the same age and height and weight and see what they did and see if you can't learn exactly what they did that allowed them to get success. See if there is someone there that you can connect with. That's what I recommend. Now, our second question of the day was how to improve 10K running time or how to simply train to run a 10K. And my answer was this. I'm not a running coach, but I recommend, first of all, you lose body fat until you are below 20% preferably for a woman, and even below 15% for a guy. That way you don't have a lot of extra weight pounding your joints as you run. So I don't recommend becoming a runner unless you have below average body fat. And again, average body fat in a guy these days is 16% or or higher. And for women, it's over 20%. So if you get under 20% for women, under 15% for guys, then you can take up running. Otherwise, you're just going to be doing too much pounding on your joints. Second thing I recommend is running three times per week. You're going to have a one long run, one medium run, and maybe an interval training day. And then get a running coach if you're serious because those are just generic recommendations. I mean, even an issue of Runner's World magazine is probably going to give you what you need. All right, great questions this week. And you can ask your question on TurbulenceTrainingFanPage.com. Now, finally, we're into our last, our second last study because we have two more studies I want to review here. And this one is for Social Support Saturday. So it comes from the Journal of American Dietetic Association and it's called Motivational Interviewing in Internet Groups, a Pilot Study for Weight Loss. So they had 20 female subjects and they had eight weeks of email contact and then they were randomized into two groups. And what they found was 84% of participants reported willingness to participate again and were comfortable with discussion topics. So the email discussion got things going very well. And what they found also was that higher motivation at follow-up, so the group that got the more motivation, sorry, the two groups. So one group, both groups had motivational interviewing. And one group either talked about values or did not talk about values in the motivational interviewing. So, for you know, they were talking about weight loss and they were talking about motivation. And then they were talking about, you know, how do your values coordinate with the motivation. And so what they found was the group that talked about uh, motivation and val- or values with motivation had a greater weight loss. And this study suggests that email interviewing techniques – are helpful when combining values 
talking about values in these interviews with online weight loss groups. So first of all, online weight loss groups work. Second of all, email counseling works. Third, motivational counseling works. And fourth, if you can align your core values, what you believe, your personal philosophy as a person, with your weight loss goals, you're going to have better success. All right, and finally, we're into Sunday, our nutrition day, and our study is called Hidden Vegetables, an Effective Strategy to Reduce Energy Intake and Increase Vegetable Intake in Adults. And so, first of all, I want to mention that Jerry Seinfeld's wife, of all people, has written a book about how to get more vegetables into your foods by hiding them. So if you have kids who won't eat vegetables or a spouse that won't eat vegetables, check out Miss um, Seinfeld's book. I don't know what I don't even know what her first name is, but I know that Jerry Seinfeld's wife wrote a book on it. Now this study that we're going to talk about was done by a very famous nutrition researcher named Barbara Rolls from Penn State University. She's done a lot of studies where you may have heard about eating. Uh, foods with added um, liquid to it or uh, even added air. They've had some studies where they've whipped up food and added air to it and found that that results in a decrease in calorie consumption. But in this study, what they did was they investigated incorporating pureed vegetables to increase the energy density or to decrease the energy density of entrees at multiple meals. So they had 41 men and women, 20 men, 21 women, and they ate in a laboratory once a week for three weeks. And there was three different conditions. So they would come in, they could eat as much as they wanted to at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they were in there one day per week, and they came in three different times. And so they had a standard meal version, 100% of regular food. So there was no added pureed vegetables. And then they had another condition where it was only 85% of the calories as the regular because they added a lot of pureed vegetables. And then there was another one, a 75% condition, so it was only 75% of the calories because they had even more pureed vegetables. And basically what they measured was hunger and fullness before and after the meals and how many calories were consumed. And so what they found was the subjects in all the conditions enjoyed the meals just as much. But what they found was when you put in the pureed vegetables, the subjects ate 200 to 350 fewer calories because of the added pureed vegetables. And so the more pureed vegetables that were in there, the, the fewer the calories total consumed because there was less energy density, and they also consumed twice or even three times as much of vegetable intake compared to the condition where it was just regular food. So they're eating two, three, even four times as many vegetables and consuming up to 350 fewer calories by doing this. So hopefully there's some type of cookbook coming out where this can be done, or you can check out Miss Seinfeld's book or whatever. But basically, the conclusion is that large amounts of pureed vegetables can be incorporated into various foods to decrease the calories consumed and increase vegetable intake without anybody noticing a difference. So that's very important for your spouse, your, your kids, and for yourself if you're struggling. And so I highly recommend that you 
experiment with ways of doing this. And I'm sure you can go online or you can go to books, cookbooks, and get ideas for this. But I'm a huge fan of increasing vegetable intake, and this is one way to do it. All right, so that's it for this call. Lots of research studies uh, we did this week, fantastic stuff. Next week I'm going to come back with hotel room workout, sprint training research, and the truth about almonds in our nutrition section. So thanks for being on the call, everyone. Now take those successful weight loss traits and that pureed vegetable tip and get out there and start losing more fat. Talk to you soon, everybody. This is Craig Valentine from TurbulenceTraining.com, and please visit TurbulenceTrainingCertification.com to find out more about our 1 million mission. Bye-bye, everyone.